Welcome to the American Landman Podcast, where we discuss buying, managing, and selling American land. Join us as we listen to real people who buy real land for the enjoyment of owning land and as a vehicle to financial freedom. And now, your host, the original American Landman, Neil Hogger. Welcome to this week's episode of the American Landman. I'm your host, Neil Hogger, land specialist with Whitetail Properties Real Estate, coming to you from the American Landman Studios in Western Wisconsin. Well, guys, I want to thank you again for checking in, and we're going to have a really good conversation today. Uh, there's a topic here that's been swirling around the real estate injury, uh, injury, the real estate industry, and, uh, maybe it is going to injure people. Uh, there's maybe some, uh, things that are on the, on the horizon here that where market may change. And I want to talk about this topic. And if you go back to my last week's episode, I kind of alluded to some of this when I was interviewed by Jared Van Hees of the, uh, Habitat podcast. And we got into it in the last part of the show, and as I listened to that, honestly, I guys, I kind of cringed and I thought, oh man, did I really say that? Or I didn't really explain that very well. And so I wanted to get back into it. So today I'm bringing on a real special guest. This is Nick, the appraiser. Nick is actually my business partner. Uh, he's been on the show before. Uh, and Nick has some great insight on different levels of, of real estate. He's a banker in the past. He's an appraiser now. He's a licensed agent. And uh, he just brings a unique perspective to the world of, of real estate. And we're going to talk today about this lawsuit that is happening. And we're going to get in a little bit about what is happening with lawsuit and how that might change the environment of real estate. And then we're going to talk about the my comment, how I'm not paying a co-broke, which isn't completely true. I do pay, pay a co-broke and that's a, a, a fee that I pay to a buyer agent. And we're going to talk about that. So if you don't understand how that works, you're going to get to hear that. And then we're going to tackle the idea that uh, of disadvantaging a customer. And we're going to talk about how it is a disadvantage or may is not a disadvantage from our point of view and how we actually think it's an advantage when buying, managing, and selling American land. So we're going to get into that. And I think you guys are going to learn something new. You're going to have a new perspective. And then you guys can give me a call and I'd be glad to help you out. If you ever have a question, I'd love to be your guy in the land business. So before we get started, let's take a word out from our sponsors, and then we'll get right back to the show. I'm Neil Hogger, and I'm a land specialist with Whitetail Properties Real Estate, and this is the American Landman Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Vitalize Seed. Cycle nutrients the way nature intended. The Packer Max HD Culta Packer Crimper. 100% of your seed goes down, 100% of your seed comes up. Landgate, data, intelligence, and marketplace for land and its resources. First Products Grain Drills, maker of the multi-drill. Quality, precision, durability. And lastly, acres.com. Explore and value land with confidence. And now, back to the show. And welcome to the show, Nick Pronold. <laughs> Nick, the appraiser. Welcome back, buddy. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You've been, you're turned into a frequent guest. I don't know when the last time you were here, but so if people want to hear about Nick Pronold and his background, um, you can go back in an episode, but Nick is my business partner and he's an appraiser and it's a kind of a unique combination of being a real estate agent and an appraiser. So I thought um, that your insight to the market is a little bit different than the average real estate agent, if there is such a thing. So uh, that's where we're going to talk about some of your insights. But before we do, why don't you uh, why don't you get into your into your background? Tell take a few minutes, talk about who you are, and and then we'll get started. Sure. Uh, 
from again Nick Ronald, um, an appraiser, a certified residential appraiser, um, the state of Wisconsin, state of Minnesota. Um, been doing appraising for almost ten years now, um, and then doing real estate sales for about three years now um, with you and Whitetail Properties. And uh, you know, the biggest thing for me before that, I was a mortgage lender, so I've been in every side of the business um, when it comes to you know homes. Uh, purchases and the res- and the real estate market, and I've been able to see the front side where you start, all the way through you know to the end where you finish. So I feel like I've got a pretty good knowledge of uh, you know what I've, um, what the market is and how it works, and you know how the process works. And I just try to uh, bring that out to everybody I go speak to, including realtors and, and mortgage lenders and whoever else that wants to uh, listen. And obviously, my opinions are my own, and not always not always the um, correct or the one or what everybody thinks, but you know, I still feel like that what I uh, talk about and what I know is beneficial for people. Yeah. Well, let's let's make that disclaimer here. So if you guys are reading the small print across the screen, if there was a screen, um, you know, Nick and I uh, are, this is for entertainment purposes only. And uh, we're going to talk about some things that are kind of hot topics in the real estate industry happening right now. But uh, this is basically two guys sitting around the fireside having a conversation and and you could take from it what you wish, but I'm going to encourage you guys to go do your own research and look into these topics of how uh, that uh, of how what we're going to talk about has has changed the industry or is about to change the industry. From our point of view, there may be no changes. It could be flipped on its upside down. So with that uh, said, this is for entertainment purposes only. Don't take anything that we say as the law. Does that sound right? No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay. All right. Well, you know, I just recently did a podcast, Nick. I don't know if you've heard it, but I was on the uh, Habitat podcast with uh, my good friend, Jerry Van Hees. So if you guys haven't heard his podcast, he talks about uh, managing Habitat mainly, but we get into a lot of topics related to land. And we did a, a collaboration where uh, he and I kind of recorded each other. Him for his podcast, my, me for mine, and I put uh, my podcast up last week. So go back and listen to that conversation because we touched a little bit on this topic, but I didn't really get into it until like the last ten minutes of the show, probably. And I thought, you know, I got to come back and we got to talk about this. And we're we're talking about this. There's a lawsuit out there that's I don't know, maybe a year or so. And I thought we'd talk about you know the lawsuit I'm talking about, right, Nick? Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I heard I listened to part of your podcast and, okay. and I think um and we've talked about it, you know, between the two of us before. Yeah. But a lot of people haven't heard about it. So there's this lawsuit out there where a plaintiff brought a lawsuit against some very large players in the real estate industry. And I'm going to let Nick put it into his own words, you know, this is his sum- summation of of what's happening. It's not a legal opinion. So you guys should go look this up, but and then I'd like to talk Nick of how that's affecting my business, our business, and and then ultimately, how does it affect a buyer? Because a lot of the guys that are listening to this are buyers, and they're trying to put themselves in the best position possible to get a great deal, to even find a deal for that matter. And mm-hmm. I think that this lawsuit has some reverberations that are going to f- trickle over. So why don't you take a few minutes, try to explain the high level so the listeners understand what we're talking about. Sure, like a, a thirty thousand foot view kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So essentially, some um, residents in Illinois uh, during the pandemic 
um, you know, that sold their homes when the market was crazy, 2021, 2022. Um, you know, notice that agents on the selling side were increasing their offering to buyers agents to try and get that home sold quicker than their home. So just um, to, to add clarity, they were agents that had the listing were paying the buyer agent a piece of their co-broke as they call it. That's the term. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, okay. you know, commonly real estate, the, sell, the seller pays for all the, uh, you know, the real estate fees, whatever percent that is. The national average is about 6%. And out of that 6%, uh, you know, anywhere between 40 to 6, 40 to 50 or 35 to 50% can go to the buyer's agent uh, and a co-broke, which means, you know, you have an agent that lists your home, another agent brings the buyer and represents that buyer, and then they, they buy your home. And there's still there's two agents in the process. Um, and they brought a suit against NAR or uh, National Real Association. Um, and and these MLSs throughout the United States have, um, you know, I think this is 16 total, I'm not 100%, but they brought this against them and they end up winning billions of dollars. Um, uh, and in the lawsuit, pretty much saying that there was collusion between agents uh, and how they were um, paying out these commissions and that, you know, what they did was illegal. And so they, in a civil suit, not criminal, obviously. And so now they have opened up a lot of different avenues because what they're saying is that agents are coming in and trying to incentivize other agents to sell the home they're selling by using money rather than, um, you know, better pictures or, or better markets. And they're using money and and by, you know, paying buyer's agents more, which if a buyer's agent would go to their client and say, well, we should go look at 123 Main Street before 125 and not telling them why, but understanding that the buyer is being paid a percent more, which, you know, on a half million dollars is $5,000 more. So they try to sell their client on the other, the other property. Obviously not saying everybody does, did this or this is something that happened every day, but it was something that did happen. And now is, you know, pretty much being watched. And now another lawsuit has come up, the same kind of lawsuit, just different state. Um, I can't remember where, I think it was California, not a hundred percent, but same kind of, uh, issue that they're, they are trying to get their money as well. So there's, and there's going to be more of them. And I think the changes in the future, where it's already come out where, um, National Association of Realtors has already said that you do not have, you do not require to pay any kind of fee to the co-broker, to the buyer's agent. Where in the past, there was no language that said you had to or didn't, but it was almost an understanding. You know, if you're in uh, real estate at all, you kind of understand this or understand this, that there's an understanding that you pay the other agent um, out of the commission to, you know, help in the process. The other, you know, both agents should be equally working to get the deal closed. And so then the buyer's agent it feels like they should be paid for what the work they're doing to help close the deal. Right. Um, and now they're coming out and saying, you don't have to pay anything. Um, as a seller's agent, you can pay the buyer's agent no money, 0%. Where, like I said before, there was no rule against it, but it just was like an unwritten rule that you just didn't do. And now when you're, you're essentially your um, club president or your board of presidents that comes out and says, you can do this differently if you want to. You know, now realtor, realtors are starting to change. They're starting to do things a little differently. Um, and I think it's slowly happening because you still see a lot of realtors not do it. Um, and still feel like that both sides should get paid. Um, but a lot of realtors are understanding that there's a business and a business opportunity um, to change with the market. And nobody likes change, but uh, it happens every day. So, you know, I think you're starting to see, and you've already started to do it as well, a change and shift in the market, how each side will be getting paid and who's paying who. Yeah. Well, we're going to... the biggest immediate, immediate, um, you know, issue that's going to be. We're going to unpack that portion of it, the payout 
or lack thereof or whatever. But let's go back to what the initial lawsuit in our interpretation was in that. So I list a property for you and, and guys, we're talking, you know, this all started with residential um, and we obviously sell a lot of land. We sell some residential, but we sell land. Basically, that's our focus. But this trickles over or it will trickle trickle over. So just apply a lot of this residential talk to land because it it, it translates over. But so a guy lists his home and then he makes the 6%, which is kind of industry standard, more or less. It's pretty acceptable that they get a 6% commission. The seller will pay you, the selling agent, that 6%. And the way I looked at it, and you know, this is playing devil's advocate back and forth, um, I could pay the buyer agent whatever I feel like, and it doesn't come out of the seller pocket at all. It comes out of my pocket, but that wasn't their angle. Because initially I was thinking, I'm like, okay, well, you, you got nothing to do with how I pay Nick, the agent. It comes out of my side. So instead of getting six, I'm going to get 4% or whatever. I'm giving him two. I'm keeping four. I'm giving him three. I'm taking three, whatever happens. But the angle of the original um, lawsuit was that almost like you you steered people to a property or not by raising or reducing the co-broke, right? Is that, did I get that right? Yeah. Essentially, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to entice other agents to come and um, look at this property by increasing the amount that I am paying. Now, in the past, you've seen a lot of stuff where maybe they'll say like $1,000 credit um, to help, or, you know, for the buyer's agent uh, once contra- under contract. Those are incentives that the seller themselves can actually put out there. And that's not so illegal. Is not, not illegal, but the agent is not allowed to incentivize out of their pocket. It's supposed to come from the seller and, the, and not the agent. And what was happening is the agent was the selling agents were increasing the buyer agent commissions to try and get their property shown first because the demand was so high, the inventory was so, the inventory was you know was low. They wanted their houses sold quicker. Obviously, the more houses you sell, the more money you make, right? So they want to sell these houses a lot faster, and they're trying to pay buyer's agents more to get their house sold first. They ha- have them bring their clients to their house before going to another home. Interesting. Okay. To me, it sounds like lawyers sitting around drinking whiskey at the end of the day and going, okay, we got to create a lawsuit here. Like, what can, where, where's <laughs> a weakness on this? Because to me, you know, if I'm a seller and... I, I contract with you to sell my house. Let's just put land. Okay. I put my land up for sale with you. Um, I would want you to do whatever it takes to get my property sold. I don't care how you do it, just that you do it. And I've yep. agreed on the sale price that I'm willing to take and I've agreed to pay you. And after that, you're you're hiring me to do the job. And and it just seems like they're searching for a way to place somebody in a disadvantage. Like level the playing ground and make it fair. And this is this whole woke idea is trickled over into real estate now where everything has to be fair. And I just don't, I don't get it. I, I just wonder if the seller came up with this idea or did a lawyer suggest it to him? Like, how did this whole thing come around? Cause it's kind of convoluted and then go back, you know, so I don't know, we, maybe we can't make a, 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 an answer on that, but so there's this thing that you mentioned about agents uh kind of wink wink nod nod hey if if you pay three percent i'll pay three percent but on the other hand there's these antitrust laws and that's collusion you can't you can't do that so on one level i kind of agree with the lawsuit if the the secondary lawsuits that came by that because 
If you go on the MLS and you look at listing after listing, you're going to see in areas, and I know down in Missouri, I talked to some of our guys down there, 3% is very common. Everybody is 3%. I'm like, why? Why is everybody 3%? Because we only do 2.5 up here. And actually that went to down 2.0. And then I saw a lot of agents doing 1.7 and now I'm seeing 1.5. And he's like, what? Can't do that. I'm like, why? Like, why do you have to do three? Well, that's, I don't know. Everybody does that. Right. But yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I mean, and being in, being in the real estate, you really don't see it or, or, or know about it unless you actually sell homes. I think it's the biggest thing. You know, me and you have both had uh, people call and ask questions about why we're paying what we're paying, which is still illegal. Like they can't ask, yeah. you know, collude. If they can't legally ask, but they still do because it's not the norm. And we're not, we're not uh, giving them what they feel like they should get based on what the norm is. But I thought there wasn't any a legality. Norm. There wasn't an expectation. And like, where did this norm thing come? Right. I mean, everybody knows there's these antitrust laws are everywhere. I mean, it's right in there. Every time you take the exam and the retake the test, your certification. Antitrust laws come up and it flat out says you can't collude on commission. So where did this norm come from and why was that ever acceptable? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it is weird and it's from, I'm sure, a long time ago. But And I've even had brokers call me and ask me, which they more than anybody should know that they can't do that. Um, so I think it's, it's really touching. The, I mean, obviously, we mess with people's money and income it becomes the touchiest part of the, the whole thing. And that's why I think you're giving a lot more pushback or questions, not really pushback, but questions about it, especially from other agents, because, you know, you're, touch, you're messing with their livelihood. Um, but you're right. The norm, I don't understand where it came from or how it got started. I, I think it was just a, originally probably was very few agents and you play nice and work with each other. And now we have 1.5-ish or 1.3, I think now we've lost some agents, 1.3 million agents in the United States. And, Barely enough listings to cover the amount of agents. So it's, it's a different world and it's a different industry than it was when all this became a norm, you know? Yeah, that's, um, it is different. So I did, I've gotten those same calls. I've had people, I had a guy recently, uh, my Pierce 81, he sent me an email, believe it or not, and said, Hey, I noticed that the commission in this was, and he threw out a number and I said, he goes, you know, I thought the norm in this area was 2.5%. And I, I'm like, first, I didn't respond to him. I just asked, answered his other questions quickly and gave him the disclosures and things that he needed. And I sat on that for a while. And I'm like, you know, that guy, that guy has an email out there hanging out there. So I responded back to him and I said, Hey, um, don't ever talk to in a nice way. But I basically said, don't ever talk to me about commission again. You know, that's collusion. It's an antitrust violation. Um, there is no norm. I'll pay you whatever it states on the MLS. And I just let it that. Don't ever, don't ever ask me that question again. I was rather stern with him and he didn't respond. Um, but I've had other people come to me and flat out ask me, I noticed that you're not paying anything. So maybe, you know, and so, yeah, I said, no, I'm not just have your, have your buyer, just do a buyer agency agreement with your guy and have him pay you on your side. I'll take care of my side. You take care of your side. I'd much prefer that anyways. And so maybe I should talk about that. Cause this, this is the point where I got into um, this conversation with Jared and I brought this up. Well, he brought it up. He's like, Hey, I hear you don't pay a Cobro. So I, and I listened to it and I'll be honest with you. I listened to the podcast and I was like, Oh God, did I really say that? It's like, uh, I should have done it better. Maybe I could do it better. So this is kind of like, if you guys haven't heard that conversation, go back. It's at the end. And I, and I haven't actually, but I haven't had anybody like push back on me hard. I even said, if anybody wants to call me about it, I'm glad to talk, talk to you about it. In my opinion, 
that's why we're doing this. So we're going to, let's, let's get into it a little bit because we're going to dive a little deeper. So the truth is Nick and anybody listening is I don't pay Cobroke. Well, that's not entirely true. I pay whatever Cobroke I need to pay to get my properties sold in a reasonable amount of time at the highest price possible. So I do have properties that frankly are less desirable for whatever reason. Um, and I might incentivize an agent, a co-broke agent, like another buyer uh, agent to bring a buyer to me or to represent them. And, and I might do that. And I've done everything from 3.0 down to 1.5. It just depends in my mind, do I need your help, frankly? And I've been looking at it like this for, gosh, years, because I know you and I have been talking about because you even push back a little bit. I noticed you pay a little less. I'm like, you know why? And I said, well, frankly, I don't need their help. You know, and and the feedback or the I guess the angle that agents took forever was it was almost a threat. It was, well, I'm not going to expose your property to my client list if you don't pay or you don't pay well or whatever. And I'm like, OK, that's interesting. Well, how do you get your client list? Because I and you can correct me if I'm wrong. If you think differently, please do. My my feeling is that especially with land. Where you have, you know, I don't know what the percentage, 95% of agents in the United States, probably more than that, are residential focused agents. So how many of them truly have a land list, a buyer of land, uh, a list of buyers looking for land, like waiting, right? right? Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. There's a few that, that are with residential agencies that consider themselves land people, but you're right. I'd say it's 90, 10 or even 95. Right. So- they don't have they don't have a lot of buyers anyways that that's a that's a fallacy they weren't telling the truth and then so i don't so i'm i, I wasn't concerned about that it's like okay well you don't i i know you don't have that many buyers available number 2 okay you're not going to expose my property okay well how do you limit me because as whitetail properties land specialists and a lot of good land specialists for that matter we advertise not just on the mls which is where these 95% of these agents that are out there operating are only on the MLS. And we talked about this. I've talked about this on other podcasts. It's a total passive way of selling. It's a list it and leave it and hope somebody calls you method. It's not even targeting. You can't even target anybody. It just goes out to this massive pool of, of online presence. Just everybody. It's just, it's a big soup of all these listings thrown together. And when it's fresh, you know, it pops up on somebody's Zillow and pops up, up oh, there's a new listing. And then it, for a couple of days, you get a barrage of calls, but then it just slowly you don't get any calls. That's what I found. You just don't, unless you got calls early and you got active because the price was really low or whatever. But it did get to like sites like it used to be Zillow, but Zillow became its own company and they're not on our MLS anymore, Northwest Wisconsin. Um, now they have homes com and realtor.com, I think. So it did get syndicated to those. But again, those are more residential, i.e. homes.com. Um, and it went out there and it got buried out there. So the whole, I didn't, I'm not going to tell you, take your property to my buyer's list that doesn't really exist. Okay. Well, my, my listing's out there in front of everybody anyways. And I just, the way that the business is done and the listeners out there can comment here, uh, maybe on Instagram, send me a message. Um, are you, are you guys relying on agents to bring these properties to you? And I don't know, Nick, I mean, you were, you were a buyer agent for a while and I know that you do this. You set up people on a search, right? So, yep. Everyone. So you're not through the MLS. Yeah. Through the MLS. Right. Yep. So you kind of passively use that in an active way. And I guess. Yeah. Because it's required. 
right? I mean, I don't think many people know that if you're part of a, a realtor association that has MLS, you're required to put that listing on the MLS. Yeah, but so I do that. You will be fined and feed if you don't, right? So yeah, that's the biggest thing I think is uh, this whole thing is that the MLS, yes, it's a very passive way to list properties, but it's it's become a required thing, which is crazy because it's a private, they're privately held companies. They're not the government. And, you know, so these are privately private companies that are requiring public citizens to put up their listings on these services, um, as agents. And if you don't belong to the MLS, right, um, or to the area association of realtors, that, um, it's even harder, um, to list properties. And like you talked about, now you're having to list with on realtor.com or, you know, Zillow or whatever, but you have to pay for each one of those individually where the MLS is saying, if you just pay us, we will syndicate to these. Right. So, so let's, ta- let's unravel that. It's harder. So you're saying, okay, so you, like take the side of a, a buyer agent that you're disadvantaging your client. And I, and I, let's have that like debate a little bit. So I want you to take that angle and kind of poke holes in this. Don't just go along with what I say. Um, so that was the claim. You're disadvantaging your client. And I would say, how, how am I disadvantaging him? Because like I personally am the premium advertiser on Northwest Wisconsin land watch land watch.com is the number one. I think it's the number one land website in the land.com family of websites of which there's a bunch of them. Whitetail properties is a premium advertiser because we pay a fee to whitetail to do that. So you kind of get in double duty on the two on the top family of websites and land watch. I personally pay extra money to be right at the top of the page. So if you go to landwatch.com, Northwest Wisconsin, you'll see me. All of my people are there. And I would argue that if anybody that's a serious buyer isn't going to these sites, then they're, and they're only relying on the MLS, which I'm on the MLS as well. And the MLS syndicates to all these other websites, realtor.com, homes.com, whitetail, does Zillow and others. So I'm getting all that exposure from all these websites outside of the MLS. So when I got that pushback with somebody, that was my response. I'm like, explain how I'm disadvantaged. The, my, I'm disadvantaging my client because this property is everywhere. It's everywhere. Where's the disadvantage? And I threw the ball back to her or to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would, the only disadvantage that you know I, I, I would see is that the MLS is so widely used that you're, you could be cutting out the people that use it continuously for buyers that are on portals that get updates that of new listings that, that come out on the MLS from the agent. Um, but, you know, it, it's hard to be done with that because I agree with you. But because <laughs> most people don't even look on the MLS portal anymore. Most people are looking everything on Zillow. Like right. Real Realtor.com, I say, you know, almost everyone. And that's why a lot of agents pay Zillow to Whenever you click a, on Zillow and say, talk to the agent, it's not the listing agent. You're getting someone who paid for that click. Um, and you're getting a lot, you know, a lot more of that. And so that's why I agree that MLS isn't always the best. The MLS was the best because it was so widespread and it was, and it was so the only choice, used. right? It was the only choice. Yep. And now in the, this day and age, it's not even like Zillow, but it's social media. Um, you know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all these other places that you can actually go on and 
see these houses for sale too, right? I, I, many agents in our area do TikToks or do um, Instagram reels of the houses they just listed. And they actually have videographers come in and do a, a minute and a half or a minute, you know, quick reel or TikTok to help list the property. It's not, it's, it's, it's ever changing and evolving. The MLS is trying to hold on, I think is the biggest thing. And uh, people that have been doing it for a very long time, you hear this more from, I think, than anybody that people have been in for 20, 30 years. That why aren't you you're disadvantaging by not using MLS? The people, the people that are newer or more apt to change are the ones that are, um, you know, not doing it as much anymore or don't see it. I mean, we have guys that don't even in whitetail that don't even um, belong to the MLS and or post on the MLS at all um, and have no issues. Um, you know, it's, and I, I think our market segment and our niche is different, and that's why it's maybe a little easier. The residential side is changing slower, but still is. Um, but it's still a um, something you, you, every agent feels like they have to do is to be on the MLS if you're selling a home. When it comes to land, I think traditionally it's not been an MLS sale. It's been an off the books or, you know, um, Lands of America, other websites that have been out there since the Internet. And now, you know, I, I think you've seen the residential side from the start having to move that way too because of, you know, these lawsuits and what's going on. Yeah. Well, let's, let's back up because there's a lot of talk here just to like keep people on track of our thought process and take this orderly. Collusion with, between agents was kind of like the initial claim. And we approached or we addressed that, you know, between agents, we don't talk about antitrust violation, you know, I will pay this commission. If you pay that commission, we'll work together because that's illegal. Although there was this like subtle pressure and we never did identify how it got set at what it did. And, and we also said it was regionally different in Missouri. I know it was yep. 3% and locally here. Uh, like I said, I know guys are doing 1.5. So that didn't really even hold water, but you know, there's a lawsuit it doesn't have to be right. It just has to be a lawsuit. And then the whole disadvantaging of the client was the was the claim that a lot of agents made. And so when these guys would come to me and they would, you know, subtly, hey, you know, I, I, I actually I would cut them off. Uh, I noticed that you're not paying. And then as soon as I say that word, I go, hey, I'll pay whatever it says on the MLS. And I just leave it at that. Some yep. of them don't even know that I'm not paying anything on the MLS. And again, I'm not saying I don't ever pay. So all the people that think, wow, Neil's a real jerk that you're listening, that's not true either. Okay. But a lot of times I'm getting to the point where I started thinking about my client. So I started digging into this whole, you're disadvantaging your customer, your client discussion. And so I want to unravel that because I've, I've been, in a sense, I've been testing this conversation with various agents that call me and I've had various levels of agreement to disagreement to, huh, that's interesting. We'll see how that works out. And I said, well, you know, I mean, ultimately, I guess I'm going to measure my sales and my sales have been remained strong. They're not actually suffering by not paying a lot of co-broke or now really none at all. So I want to talk about the disadvantages that I see in working with other agents uh, and and the, the legalities behind that. So, all right, let's talk about existing clients and how the LandGate software might help your existing clients. So the other day I had a listing that I put out and I put out on the MLS and I started getting calls. And a lot of the guys that were calling me, every time that they give you a call, they always say, ah, it's price too high. And I said, well, did you know this property has a capacity for solar? There's a solar transmission line and a substation nearby. In another case, I said, do you realize that this property has up to $9,000 a year of carpet credit potential? 
And I could say that probably the same for solar in certain cases or oil and gas minerals. The point is, is that for a land specialist real estate agent that is listing property, there's no better way to build the case for a property that you have listed that you're asking top dollar than to create another line of revenue that might come from that land. And that's where the LandGate software is serving me with my existing clients. I'm going back to my clients. I'm producing this report. I'm boning up the listing based on the data that says this property can produce money. It's a great way to help your existing clients and justify the cost. Check it out, landgate.com. And if you want to talk about it, I've been using the software for a while. Give me a call. I'll gladly explain my experiences. Landgate.com. Check them out. And you could fill in the blanks here. I'll leave you a pause so you can fill in the blanks here. But when, you, when you're when you a listing agent and a guy or gal brings an offer, most often than not, they aren't under, they are not under a buyer agency agreement. Would you agree with that? I agree. And a, go ahead and explain what a buyer agency agreement is to people that maybe aren't familiar with that. And we'll continue. Sure. Uh, just like you would sign an agreement to list your home, you're signing an agreement to buy a home with an agent. So it's essentially telling this agent that you're under contract with them to buy the home. So if you decide to put an offer on a home, that agent will represent you represent you as a um, client. As a client, yes. Not a customer, which and, is key. Correct. Yep. And, and so you, you kind of are, are tying yourself to that agent to when you buy the property, whatever it may be, home or land, that you know, you'll work with them and you will... Um, sometimes pay them, um, which will be the future, I believe. But right now that you'll just work with them and then the selling agent commonly pays them. And we're going to get um, into this a little bit, but is there a fee for that? Yeah. Right now, commonly no. no. There's nothing because it's coming from the, the when you buy the house it's coming, or land, it's coming from the selling. Okay. Buyer. So we're going to, we're going to circle around to that. Um, yep. All right. So you go out there and you sign a listing agreement with a seller uh, agent. He goes out and starts marketing it. And he puts it on the MLS and all these other specialty websites. And he puts it in the Wisconsin Outdoor News or other regional papers. And they go to trade shows. And, and I think we pretty well established that the benefit outside the MLS is huge if you get the right agent that is spending a lot of marketing dollars to expose this property directly to the consumer versus passively help having a gal or a guy that focuses mostly on residential agent try to sell outside of his specialty area. So we're kind of going down this path of, are you disadvantaging them? So now you go out there and you walk this property and I'm taking like the Polk County 64 that I did, or you got the St. Croix County. What's the St. Croix County PV property? How many? 34. 34. Okay. So let's talk in terms of the PV 34. So Nick has got this listing and he's gone out there and and you've walked that property and Nick, do you feel like you know the property pretty well because you've been on it? Yeah, half a dozen times I've walked it. All least, right. Yeah. Every, every corner. Multiple seasons? Multiple seasons, yep. Fly your drone over During it? During hunting, summer, yep. Take photographs? Yep. Look for trails? Yep. Rubs? Mm-hmm. Scrapes? Yep. Assess the tillable ground? Yep. So do you think There's that- soil, soil report on it? Soil report, produceacres.com report perhaps, do research, yep. do land sales bulletin, MLS- Find out what comparables. Yeah, confirm all the permits are in place. Confirm all the easements good. Yeah, I mean, easements. You know, all the, the legwork, yep. Yeah. Look at it from the appraiser's eye. Yeah, the value per acre based on how it can yep. be used. Yep. Yep. So utilize, utilize all these advantages that you had and all these tools you have. So then you put that property out there and, um, you know, Robbie, the realtor, sees it out there and he, uh, or he doesn't even see it. He gets a call from his guy. Hey, Robbie. 
there's this property that just came up in St. Croix County. What can you tell me about it? What do you, what's Rob you do next? Calls me. <laughs> and you go, sure. What Every can, time. what can I answer Robbie? And Robbie says, yep. I'll be Robbie. Uh, yeah, yeah. I have a, I have a client that is, uh, interested in this property. And can you send me the disclosures? And I usually, huh? Yeah. It's on I usually just say it's already out there. Yeah. Right. It's already out there. But let's say what normally happens though is Robbie, the realtor hasn't looked at it. And what I say is, well, tell me about your buyer. And the answer you usually get is, well, he's a, yeah, he's a, um, well, he's a buyer and, um, he, I got, I got this lead and I'm like, oh, so it came in through like a Zillow generator. You got into the office. It's your, it's your hour or two of the office time and anything that comes in came to you. That's typically what happens. I think, right. Am I right on that? I, I don't know yeah. for sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They work in front. Yeah. You got to work. You work in a bigger agency that has an office. You got to work a number of hours. So they have a desk and they sit there and any leads come in. And cause I just had this lady, I'm just following up on all these leads. I said, well, what's your buyer looking for? And she's like, well, you know, he's looking for land. I said, well, I mean, what is he farming it or is he bow hunting it or is he rifle hunting it or is he want to plant a flower farm? I mean, what, what does he want to do with it? Well, I'm not sure, but can you send me all the information? I said, well, sure I can. But I mean, before I hand out all this, you know, pertinent information, that's really my clients, you know, I won't say secret stuff, but it's personal. What do you know about your, your buyer? Can they even afford to buy this property? Because we get recreational shoppers all the time that aren't prepared, aren't even financially able to buy it. And where I'm going for that with the listeners is you call, and then a lot of listeners have told me this is exactly what happened to them. They got a hold of the agent thinking it was the listing agent, thought it was Nick. And they want to talk about this property you have in St. Croix County. And they realized it wasn't Nick. And so right out of the gate, you know, I'm looking at this going, all right, I'm a critical thinker. You're majorly disadvantaging my seller, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. Because you're bringing a buyer that you have no idea about what they can do or what they want, and you're taking up a time to show the property that another qualified buyer that knows what he wants can be looking at. So, as a buyer, I'm talking to somebody who I thought was the agent. It's not. I'm speaking with somebody that doesn't know anything about the property. They'd never been on it, and now I've got to wait for. Robbie to the realtor to go out and get this information. But in the meantime, you know, Nick, I bet you have a lot of buyers in your back pocket. Guys that call you all the time. Maybe you're some of you're working for. Yeah. What do you do with them? I, I have a relationship with them. I talk to them and understand what they're looking for, why they want it, you know, um, how they're paying for it, where the pre-approval is. If it's a letter, if it's cash, you know, getting proof of funds right away and then getting really deep into, you know, why they want the property by yesterday I talked to wants a property that he can hunt on, but wants also wants to be close to a couple of lakes he can drop into. He's a big fisherman, but something that his kids can work on and in their late twenties and work on as they get older and he can pass down to them that's you know, in a certain geographical area because he wants to be so close to both their families. And I mean, just you get in depth as you can. You 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 understand what they really want and what they're looking for. Yeah. So so you're proactively calling them most likely, and you're really shortening the the timeline from the moment that they you know that they're looking for something or something that came on the market and the time that that buyer knows about it. And because you already know they're qualified and they get they get this information a lot earlier. So where's the disadvantage with the buyer that calls Robbie the realtor who knows nothing or with you? Who do you think? I already know the answer. Yeah, but. definitely Robbie the realtor. Right? Yeah, right. I mean, it's not a no-brainer on top of it. You know, Robbie more than likely, you know, is telling them to go, especially with land, we see this a lot. And then, you know, not to get too off topic, but 
tell them just, oh yeah, go take a look at it. You know, go walk it. You know, because or you know, our He'll, I'll meet you out there and he'll park and wait. For no, you that, never happens. that never happens. That never happens. I mean, it's very common. So now, yeah. now you're disadvantaging. Thanks. Great point. You're now you're disadvantaging my seller because can somebody go walk in through your house? Like unattended, like can, can Robbie, the realtor yeah. send you to the house that's on the corner of our subdivision? Just have him go walk through it. Would that ever be allowed? No, I don't know. no. that would never be Not allowed. Agent. Right. No. But it happens. And found out they would lose their license. Yeah, but it happens all the time with land. So, so I'm having this conversation with this gal just recently about disadvantage, and I'm like, honestly, and here we go. I'm going to say it. You're the disadvantage as a buyer agent to my client. You're yeah. the you're the disadvantage because you're selling a property you know nothing about. You don't know anything. You're trying to represent somebody that you know nothing about what you're talking about. And I got to the point where I was thinking about this and. I don't know. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but I just didn't want, I didn't want you underneath me as a sub agent. Cause most of the time you don't have a buyer agent agreement with them. So now you're sub agent to me. It says right on the top of our, of our listing and uh, offered purchase documents, agent, a buyer, agent, a buyer and seller or something. What's the third one, you know, but you have to say what you are. And most of them are not agent of buyer. They're agent of seller listing broker, meaning you're sub agent yep. to me. So you're working underneath me. So now I'm like majorly disadvantaged because not only do I have somebody that is representing my client, who's the seller, they're working underneath me and I know they know nothing about it. They're like the, they're like a rookie. Like every single time they bring somebody, it's there. They just know nothing about that property and they're legally tied to me as a sub agent. So if you're trying to sell that property to your client, your, your customer, your buyer customer, I think is generally expected by the buyer that you're going to try to get them the best price possible, the lowest price, right? Mm-hmm. So isn't that a disadvantage to my client where you're sub agent mm-hmm. to me? Right. Yeah. You're so, trying to get the lowest price and you're trying to get the right. best price. I mean, it's just like, it's two forces pulling against each other. You're, you're representing them underneath my license, which I represent the seller, but yet you're trying to get a low price for that guy. And I'm trying to keep my price high and you're selling the property you know nothing about. You haven't even been on it. And you're trying to like sell this property. I, 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 you know what I said to one gal and it was a nice conversation, but she says like, well, you're a hog. You're hogging the, the commission. I go, it's not about hogging the commission. It's about selling the property for my client and you're disadvantaging them because you're trying to sell something you know nothing about. That's the dis you're the disadvantage. And I'll be honest with you. At first, Nick, I was like, Okay. I think I told you this many times. I'm going to try this out with these guys and just see what their, like their comeback is like, have them debate it with me, like poke holes in my bucket. Cause that it'll make me think like, yeah, that's how you learn. That's how you learn. But so anyways, I think that's what's so to all the listeners. So what's happening now is I'm getting down to the most of the time I'm not paying a co-broke. And if they ask me about it, or I put it right on the MLS, it's right there. Um, I just tell them, Hey, I just, I'm not paying a co-broke. So, um, just have a buyer agency agreement with your buyer and don't work for free. You shouldn't work for free. I don't work for free. I never work for free. Nobody works for free, but you, but real estate agents do all the time. So just go get a buyer agency agreement with your guy and have them pay you a commission. And I would, that's what I and told that, you. Yeah. That's, and that's the biggest thing that's going to, I think change. Right. Now you're getting into this. That's this is the biggest change. Cause one, how, where does the money come from? If it comes out of buyer's pocket, does that decrease uh, and limit their purchasing power um, and their down payment ability? And, you know, does it, 
you know, eventually become something that can be financed into a mortgage where then you're paying interest on it. Um, you know, and how does that work? Because if you're talking, you know, let's just say an average price in our area is $300,000 and 2% is, is the average buyer agency fee. So you're paying that $86,000 out of your purchase. So in your, and on top of the $15,000, $20,000 you're putting down. So how is that, you know, going to be paid and how is that going to work? And are people have to save more for the down payment to pay their agent? And that, that's the kind of thing I think that is going to, they haven't figured out and it will take a long time before they do or if it even changes. Um, but I agree. I think if you don't want to get involved in it and not have, you know, any part in what they're going to do, just set it up yourself like you're doing. And if you want to work with me and you want to buy a property with me my, and get my knowledge and understanding um, of land, then you're going to have to pay me for my time. Well, let's look. look think, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish your thought. Oh, I just say, I think you've had people understand that and, and, and work with you and, and do that. Well, let's look at this on this unravel this. Now let's flip over to the buyer agent side. Cause there's some, there's some real estate agents that listen to this podcast and uh, they're about flipping over their feet up in the air going, what the hell is this guy doing? Because again, I don't work in a big office, but I'm betting that most of the agents in that office are buyer agents. I mean, I don't know. Do you know, are there more seller agents in an office or buyer agents? Do you think? Uh, depends on the office. I would think buyers one because buyers. That's what I would think. Um, buyers, buyers. Uh, you know, mainly the buyers agents, the new agents starting, in, and um, he doesn't have any relationships or any kind of exactly people that are out there and know their name. So it takes time to bring up. So a lot of he doesn't have a marketing budget. Buyers. Doesn't a market. Yep. So they bring them in as buyers agents. They're or they're doing it part time. And, you know, oh, so part think, time. That's so a big one. The majority. Yeah, I think the majority of, you know, of them are. It depends on the agency and what they what they require and what they allow to. But yeah, I would say so. I mean, when I do a lot of presentations to realtors, a lot of times it's a lot of buyers agents, and a lot of buyers questions. So in, in the keeping with the theme of, you know, disadvantaging somebody, do you think it's an advantage to team up with a part time agent? Uh, no, I mean, generally. No, I mean, there's a cost, it's going to be a cost benefit analysis and what they're going to be able to bring um, to you compared to what they're going to cost you. And if there's not much cost to them, then there could be a benefit for a relationship. But if there's a, you know, if there's higher cost than benefit, then no, it's not. But I mean, commonly, I would say no, it's not. I mean, I guess I'm trying to, I'm supporting my own thesis here, but so just to full disclaimer. Yeah. Uh, But so, you know, keeping with the disadvantaging theme, you know, you got a part time agent and, they want to get paid, right? And and so I think in the future, they may suggest that you pay them. I mean, why wouldn't you? I mean, you're licensed and you're legally responsible and you have these contracts. Why would you not want to get paid for your time? I, I just, yep. it's beyond me to think, why would you work for free and and leave your pay up to somebody else? Hopefully they pay you. I just, I don't, I just don't do it. But um, so I started now having, I only take on a few buyer agents uh, agreements. Cause I can't help everybody, but I kept a couple, but I just tell them, I go, look, I'm, I'm, a, I'm glad to work for you as a buyer agent, but I'm going to have you sign an agreement. We'll define, you know, zero to $500,000, whatever your budget is. But I, I'm going to, there's a fee built into that and I'm going to get paid to help you. And I had people initially push back. I mean, you even laughed. You're like, ah, oh, good luck with that. Right. Um, yeah. Right. But I did have people push back and I said, okay, well, not a problem. You know, I don't want to work for free. So good luck, you know, just do what you're doing for me personally. What I would say is, Hey, follow me on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and all these. I mean, there's a lot of ways to see where I, what I have listed. You don't have to be on the MLS and I could even have you or my wife, Denise set people up on a search and we do that. But 
by the time that gets to you, like everybody else has seen it as well. So that's not really an advantage, right? It's a very passive way to get notified. But if you want to like have me thinking about you every day, which to me, my mental power, I only have so much space between my ears. I mean, I can't handle a lot. And I'm like, you're going to have to pay me. And when you pay me, you're now my client. And so I actually started negotiating, Nick, and I've, we talked about this. I just signed a buyer agency agreement with one of my clients who, by the way, is probably listening to this. Uh, Chris, you know who you are. And uh, Chris is paying me 6%. And he found out a weakness about that just the other day. And I'm going to bring that up. So Chris signed a buyer agency with, agreement with me. And he's like, I want you to find me a property. And I said, okay, well, I only have two right now. You'll be the second. Um, I request 6% as a buyer agency agreement. And um, it's optional. You don't have to sign it. Um, but if you want me to proactively call you about listings, if you want me to advise you ahead of time and give you free information and, and analyze a property for you and tell you the market and utilize my acres.com and my sponsors, I'm giving you plugs now, acres.com, uh, landgate.com and use the other tools I have, then hire me to do that. And a lot of agents go, well, I'll do that for free. And I'm like, okay, well go, you do it for free. That's fine. And before you ever know that these properties come listed, I'm going to take it to my buyer agency guys because there's these pocket listings of properties that are coming up. Or I frankly know listings like I did. I did a sale in Kansas, 1700 acres. Todd Bigby and I sold a property that wasn't even marketed. It wasn't for sale even, but we went to a guy and said, hey, we got a buyer up in Wisconsin that's selling. He wants a 1031 exchange into a property in Kansas. Would you sell that? And he goes, yeah, I'd sell it for the right price. And we made a deal. Long and short, we made a deal. So that was a perfect example of having us help you. And that benefited my buyer. And um, he got to know about that property before anybody did. So he wasn't competing with people. And so as a buyer agent, I can do that for you. Or don't sign it and just wait till I post on Facebook. And I do that a lot. So that's not a wrong way. So anyway, Chris signed a buyer agency agreement with me. And he's looking for kind of a, you know, a property that he can, well, what this top, what this place, this podcast talks about buying, managing it up and selling American land. And that's what he wants to do. He's hearing Zach Austin, my, one of my guys that we did that he talks, hears me talk about it. Um, and I said, well, I can help you do that. And he's like, okay, well, let's look at this property. I, I gave the numbers to him. All right. Well, it's, this is a real listing. It's listed at $4,500 an acre and it's 64.5 uh, acres. Um, do the math on that. What is that? It's 4,500 times 64.5. So it's listed at 290,250 bucks. Real, this is a real property. He goes, well, what can I do with it? I said, well, you know, um, I think if you fix this up the way I'm going to tell you, put a couple blinds on there, banks, outdoor blinds, I sell them at my cost to you. Uh, get my guy, Rick Haley, come in there and Rick will put in some food plots and trails. And if you do that, I think you can probably list this at 5,100 an acre right now. And in a couple of years, you might get $5,300 an acre. So he had an $800 an acre, you know, return less his expenses at some point, you know, in a year, or maybe three years, but at some point. And so he was running the numbers and he said to me, he goes, okay, uh, you know, I mean, with the fee that I got to pay you and the improvements I got to have, it's, you know, I'm barely, it's barely making sense. I go, well, yeah, that's the limitations of doing this. Because if you're looking to buy, sell, I manage and sell, then you got to take those fees into account. So the upside though is 
you didn't know any of that information until I shared it with you. You didn't even know that property was for sale. So if you weren't my client, you wouldn't even know it was there until I got it on the MLS, which I did. And then eventually I get it up on Whitetail and then it gets out to the land.com family and everybody knows about it. So that 6% got your foot in the door before everybody else. But he recognized mm-hmm. it as a disadvantage in a sense. Yeah. I well, and I, I think, you know, the, but the biggest thing is that if he wanted to spend his time and effort to do to do that, he's losing out on what he does. Let's say he makes 50 bucks an hour or 80 bucks yeah, an hour. Yeah, he's a CRNA. Okay. So yeah, a hundred bucks now, right? So <laughs> right. he's taking out of his time to do that or his time with his family to do what you're, he's paying you to do. So he, you know, there's a service there and he's paying for a service. He's not just paying because you, you want him to. There's, there's a reason behind it. And there's, you know, a time savings that he's getting. It's no different than if you're a house flipper and you have a guy that goes in the contractor, walks to the house and tells you what he needs to do to get this, get it done, to get it back on the market. But those the people that succeeded that succeed at that are the ones that put their time into it um, and put a lot of time into it. And if they can't, then they have to find somebody that will do it for them. You know, so you know, you really have to you know weigh the options. Do you want to take away from your family and your uh, hundred dollar an hour job to find land to flip, or do you want to come to me and, and Nick and say, okay, we'll pay you five six percent and you find us the properties to flip and uh, help us understand how we can make money on them. And rather than make you know fifty thousand dollars, we're going to make thirty thousand or thirty-five thousand, whatever it will be. There's still there's a difference there now um, of less than you're making, but you're putting a lot less time into it and mm-hmm. a lot less effort into it. You know, and to be fair, you know, you don't have to have a buyer agency agreement with Nick or I or any other guy to find a property. But I just think it's a major advantage to have somebody proactively looking for you. And that is knowledgeable and trusted and adds all the tools to do the job right. Why? I just think it's the future. Buyer agents out there in the world, why would you ever work for free? I just, I just don't get it. I don't get yeah. it. And if you're a buyer and you don't want to pay somebody, and I think we've established that they generally, not always, okay, I want to be fair to these guys because I know right now somebody's head is blowing up. Generally, a buyer agent doesn't know as much about it a property as a listing agent. If you want to cut the corners and you and especially with this environment that we're in right now, the way that you get a property purchase is you have to go to the source. You have to get to the guy that's the listing agent. Otherwise, you are behind the eight ball and you are competing with everybody else on the market. You have to get as close to the center of influence as possible if you hope to find a property. Because I hear this all the time. By the time it got up, it was already under contract. How could that be? And I said, well, because I already had buyers lined up. I mean, I already had buyers that were under contract. I took it to them first, or they were just, they were working with me when I was working for free as a buyer agent. You know, I just, they call me all the time and I, I would give it to them. That's why. So don't waste your time. I, I, I don't know if there's a nice way to say it. Don't waste your time. Go to the listing agent. And if you're a buyer agent out there that's about to go broke when, you know, Neil and Nick's method gets, goes worldwide here, um, you're going to have to become a listing agent, which is tough. It costs money, mm. but Hey, welcome to business, right? Costs money to yeah. make money. Well, here's a, here's devil's advocate on that point is, well, well, as a buyer, why do I want you to represent the seller and me? You know, you're going to yeah. represent the seller and say, you want the highest possible price. Well, I don't want to pay the highest possible price to the buyer. I want to pay the best possible price. So you know, why is it better? Why is it okay for you to do both sides and let and, uh, you know, have the buyer and the seller with you? Why wouldn't it be more beneficial for me to buyer to have somebody separate represent yep. me? Yep. Good point. Um, and that's fine. This is my answer. That's fine. 
go find an agent and have him yeah. represent you. Not a problem. Just let your agent know I'm not paying a co-broke. So he's working for free. Yeah. And see if that agent. But you also, what, what's your experience? I mean, I think, you know, I also was looking for, you know, you have experience in the land side, at least it's much more common um, for both sides to be done by one agent. Yeah. Correct? Yeah, it is. Multiple representation you know, without designated agency. I think that's what the term for it. Um, yeah. So it's something that is, is much more common land side and much more accepted. And, um, you know, I think it's, there's more of a fair uh, ethical standard right. maybe than a residential side. You know, I'm not saying I hundred percent know that and I've seen it, but I, I feel like there, there's a feeling around it that it's more fair and ethical than uh, a residential transaction where a lot more variables are included. A lot more things can be hidden when you have a, a bare piece of land, let's say five acres, what are you going to hide? There's, it's, it's there. It's open. There's nothing you can hide when you have a house on it. Now you have a million working parts in the home, which of any of them could go wrong, which at any time could cost the buyer $10,000, which at any time anyone in the process can hide that from the buyer. So but don't they have to disclose our, these issues on the real estate condition report? They're supposed to be right. 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 But how many times has it not happened? And then on top of that, how many times, you know, does somebody go after, right? We have a listing of ours right now that the lady, you know, had same thing happened. She got the condition report was not filled out correctly, wasn't disclosed, multiple issues with the foundation after it had bought the home. Um, and now she went through the process of trying to, you know, sue and get some money back. Well, end up breaking even. What she caught had to pay to, to go through a, a settlement lawsuit, ends up pretty much what she got back after, you know, it was all said and done and had to move out of the house and trying to get it sold to her to just move on. So, I mean, there, and on top of that, it's her time and her money and her effort that she had to go through to do that after she bought a home. Like there's just so much more involved um, and so many more things that can go wrong in the home. I think maybe that's why a lot of buyers have that feeling that you, you know, you need to have somebody to represent you to try and stop those things where land, it's, it's totally opposite. There isn't anything, you know, everything is right there in the open. Um, you know, maybe in other states, there's mineral rights or other things that can come up. But in our area, there really isn't as, as many um, working parts and things that can be hidden. I yeah. think and that's why the, the multiple th- representation is more common. I think the disadvantages of a property or advantages of the property, maybe they're just different because we do have homes and cabins on them. And so you, you have to have that. But I, you know, when somebody feels to me like, well, who are you working for? I said, well, if you're my customer as I'm representing you buyer, I'm representing you both and I'm going to do it neutrally. So what questions do you have? So go over the disclosures and read them through and ask, and then we'll go walk the whole darn thing. Not alone. I'm going to walk you through it. I'm going to say, okay, you signed a wetland disclosure. Here's your wetland. Um, we can walk the perimeter. Sometimes they're flagged. Sometimes they're not. We can use our tools. Um, do you want a survey? You can ask for a survey. Well, I'll ask them. Sometimes they'll say yes. Sometimes they'll say no. If they say no, you can you can get a survey as part of your offer to purchase. You can write right in there that you'll pay for it, or you can ask them to pay for it, but it doesn't have to be paid for. And we could transfer it via PID number. So do you don't, it's not required to have a survey, but if you want one, you could do that. And so, I don't know. I just feel like I can represent you as a buyer so much better, um, if only because I'm a full-time agent. Do you want a part-time person representing you? Probably not. So just go to the professional, I guess. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And has done it, has the experience and understands, you know, that there's a, there's a middle ground for everybody, right. the seller for the buyer. And there's a, there's a, benefit, a cost in it, or a benefit and negative for every transaction, no matter what you do, there's never a perfect positive all the way around transaction, but you do your best to you know, mitigate any negatives and, um, you know, do the best for both sides. And right. I, and I just, you know, that was actually, I want, you know, cause I hear that a lot and I, you know, I follow a lot of this stuff. 
um, and I read a lot about it, but I also look at social media because a lot of realtors are talking about this and a lot of realtors are have an opinion. And one of the largest opinions I've seen from mostly residential realtors is that this is going to kill buyer's agents and it's going to kill the market because there's no buyer's agents to be able to represent the buyers. Um, and that's wrong. You should always have your own representation. I think that's an opinion. It's not wrong or right. That's an opinion in my mind. You should, you know, do what's best for you. And depending on what your transactions and what you're doing is going to dictate whether or not you should have a buyer's agent or work with list agents. Right. And, you know, I think I agree with you. I think the listing agent will always know more about the property than anybody else. As an appraiser, I prefer a listing agent or an owner to be at the property when I go to do an inspection because who knows more about the property than, than them? Nobody, right? So, you know, those are the, the 90% of appraisers don't want anybody there. They just want to go into the house and do their own thing. Well, how do you know enough about the property if you don't talk to people that own it or people that are listing it that have walked it multiple times or, you know, gone through it and done visual inspections? So, you know, I, I just, I think there's a lot of norms in the industry that need to start changing. And I think this lawsuit is going to start that. I hope it does. Yeah, I'm going to agree. Well, hopefully to you agents out there, they're listening, not trying to alienate anybody, but this was a conversation that I know Nick and I have had, and I've had with a lot of agents and it's rolling out there. So I just think it's a great, you know, check on perspective and we're critical thinking type dudes here at Whitetail Properties and uh, Wisconsin Landman team. And we wanted to have a conversation. So I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. There's a lot to unravel there. Um, if you want to talk more about it, then you should give myself or Nick a call. Um, but Nick, before we get off here, do you, is there, do you want to give uh, a, maybe you got a new listing you want to talk about real quick, take a minute or so. And if people want to check it out and give you a call and then maybe give your credits and how to get a hold of you. Yeah, sure. So we actually have the one we talked about for a second there, um, our uh, 34 acre in um, St. Croix County. Uh, it's just south of Baldwin, two miles from Interstate 94. We just lowered the price to 270000 Um It is a beautiful piece of property, about 28 acres of ag currently and six acres of wood. It's been park tested, ready to be built on has a 33-foot perpetual easement um, for a driveway. It's set back off the road. You know, there's a 20-acre a, a parcel between you and the road. Uh, lots of privacy surrounded by your cultural and wooded area, um, close to a couple of recreational trails for snowmobiling and biking. Um, it's just a great location, and, um, you know, we're really looking for somebody who wants to come out and either, you know, build a home or turn it into maybe their hobby farm. It's a great opportunity. The farmer that owns it currently is also willing to, you know, rent that rent from the property, um, you know, for uh, income producing. If he would continue to allow to farm it like he does now, um, there's just a lot of opportunity at the property. It's a great location. You can't get much better than being that close to 94 and be able to get into the Twin Cities or anywhere else um, and have this kind of land and, um, you know, ready to go, ready to be built on or, you know, ready to be used for hunting, whatever you would like to do. Um, it's just the location is unbeatable. Awesome. So uh, if you have any interest in something like that, give me a call, 651-398-6338, and we'll take you a walk around um, corner to corner to corner and be able to see the whole thing and be able to walk the easement and uh, understand where it's been perked and where it's been perked and you know where there's some possibilities to put up homes. Awesome. And if you need an appraisal in Western Wisconsin, Nick's your guy. Uh, Nick, why don't you uh, give out your website, and then we'll go ahead and we'll wrap this up. Sure. Yeah, it's uh, www.proappraisalsllc.com, and we, um, you know, specialize in residential and land, um, and we do a lot of uh, divorce, estate appraisals, or uh, family purchases, um, or friend purchases where you're doing it off the market. And you want to get a value to, you know, sell to your renter to a family member. 
Um, if you have to get a state appraisal or uh, divorce appraisal for value, we also do those as well. So yeah, visit our website and um, click on, uh, you know, get a quote and we'll contact you usually within an hour or two. And we can get you a quote on what the cost would be and what the time frame is. Right now, it's a little bit um, uh, busy, but, uh, you know, we're always willing to take on more business and, and get you done usually within a week. Outstanding. All right, buddy. Well, I didn't hear the new baby cry in the background and hopefully he's still sleepy. You got to get a... Do the feeding, and I appreciate you getting on here with me because I know you're a busy guy. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate your time. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. I have a good one. All right, thanks.